Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about the domestic leagues across Africa and compare them to the English Premier League and other top divisions of Europe. What has made the top European leagues so successful? And what needs to be done to improve things in Africa? We speak to fans in Ghana. So people are not encouraged to leave their homes to go and watch a football match. Rather, they want to go and watch a Chelsea-Liverpool game at a pub. Also, we have your views on whether Mohamed Salah deserved to win the Goal of the Year award at the FIFA Awards. And we reflect on last weekend's superb game between Chelsea and Liverpool. Well, that's coming up shortly, but first, it's been an eventful few days in African football. Angolan side Primero Augusto are close to making history as the first club from Angola to reach the final of the CAF Champions League. They won their semi-final first leg game 1-0 against Esperance of Tunisia in Luanda, giving them the edge, although still lots of work to do in the second leg. Meanwhile, the record eight-time champions Al Atli are firmly in the driving seat after a 2-0 win over two-time champions Entente Setif of Algeria in Cairo. The second legs of the semi-finals will be played on the 23rd of this month. And Ghana will definitely host the Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals in November. There were lots of concerns about the preparations there, but the Confederation of African Football has finally given the thumbs up to Ghana. And it looks increasingly likely that Cameroon will host next year's Men's Africa Cup of Nations finals. CAF President Ahmed met Cameroon's President Paul Beer this week, and President Beer assured him that the country will be ready for the tournament, while Ahmed said there are no plans to take it away from Cameroon. However, last weekend, CAF said that a final decision will be made in November. And CAF also decided to support FIFA president Gianni Infantino in his re-election bid next year, although there's no guarantee that each African federation will vote for Infantino. Also something big for football fans in Malawi, as the Malawi Football Association president Walter Nyamilandu was elected to the FIFA Council by the CAF Executive Committee, beating South African FA president Danny Yordan by 35 votes to 18. Jordan, who headed the organising committee for the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, is still waiting to get a big post at FIFA and indeed at CAF, despite his track record as one of the continent's finest administrators. But nonetheless, well done to Malawi's Walter Nyamilandu for getting that powerful post. Lots happening then in African football. So our main topic on the show this week is African leagues against European leagues. We had a question from Mandy Wab Francis in Uganda on WhatsApp asking what can be the way forward to make African leagues sparkle like in other countries? Why are we down and yet we know football? So that's a great question from Mandy and we're going in depth on this on the show this week. Probably in your country your domestic league doesn't have the sparkle of the top leagues of Europe but there's no doubt about the talent across Africa, and many people have a love for their favourite team in their local league, even if they don't go to watch that much. Betty Yorson in Ghana investigates for us. Football happens to be one of the most popular, if not the most popular sports in the world. 
it enjoys a fan base that seems to go beyond various divisions like race, language, age and gender. As a result, it can truly be called the universal sport. The game continues to grow in popularity in many countries and Ghana is not an exception. But unfortunately, Ghanaian football fans love for the foreign leagues like the English Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, etc. is intense as compared to their love for the Ghana Premier League. Despite football being the number one sport in Ghana, Ghanaian fans prefer to watch foreign leagues, especially English Premier League, than the local league. The support for Ghana football only comes to play when the country's national team, the Black Stars, is competing in a particular tournament. This attitude from Ghanaian fans to the local league was not so some years ago. As the league, which used to enjoy some great spectatorship, is struggling to get the support of fans. So I decided to sample views from some Ghanaian football fans on the streets of Accra, the capital of Ghana, to find out how they compare the Ghana Premier League to the English Premier League and other top leagues, and what they think needs to be done to improve things with the Ghana League. Personally, that is my that is my personal opinion. To compare Ghana Premier League to another of the English Premier League or any of the top five European leagues, uh, they are far advanced and there are a lot of factors. The, the only aspect of, of of the Ghana Premier League, the only aspect that I can compare to the that of the European leagues has to do with talent. Ghana is blessed with a lot of talent. But quite apart from that, I think there is no aspect of our league uh, of our game that I can compared to that of the English Premier League. If you look at facility, infrastructure, they are far, far ahead of us. And if you, if you look at technology they've employed in making sure that their league becomes very, very attractive on screens, Ghana is, is, is nowhere near any of these top five European clubs. However, what I think uh, can be done to improve the league in Ghana, the major problem has to do with its implementation. You know, it has always been difficult. It has been implemented based on fence and cronies. If I'm if I referring to any of those in authority, let's say the disciplinary committee or the appeals committee, it is likely that uh, um, uh, the decision will go in, in, in your favor. Even when you are at fault, at the end of the day, it, it, it gives a whole room for doubt and people don't have belief in the system. I am a football person and predominantly I've been to almost all the league centers in this country and one major problem that we face is is infrastructure and there are certain venues in my opinion which does not you know deserve to host uh, Premier League matches there are pitches in this country that are so poor changing rooms in a perimeter um, quality of the pitch sitting capacity and these things go a long way to affect the beauty and the quality of coverage of a football match one leaves home and go to match to entertain himself that's why you are bold enough and confident enough to go with your family with your kids with your wife and what have you but here that is not the case because the, sec the security of that spectator is not guaranteed so he cannot go and stand in the scorching sun for for two hours three hours it is not worth it so people are not encouraged to leave their homes to go and watch a football match rather they want to go and watch a Chelsea-Liverpool game at a pub or a drinking spot for, for that same amount. Because he goes to that drinking spot, he sits, enjoys the game. Not just that, he has the opportunity to also, you know, have a drink with his family. 
Well, comparing the Ghana Premier League to, let's say, the Italian Serie A, the English League, um, League A, will be a big mismatch. But the basic and underlining factor is that every good um, league has to be flooded with the equally better players that will make it interesting. And unfortunately, on uh, this side of our world, it looks like it's difficult to get that and keep it. You, you can follow that you get a player playing for a club like Chelsea or Manchester United for four or five seasons two seasons at least and then it's because they are paid well they are living good and so you don't have you don't have any reason to, to, to want to leave at all costs but in Ghana especially player exodus has been a problem so you get clubs paying most of their players very minimal amount and so even a nearby country comes with some amount of dollars the, the, the player just says to himself why do I just don't leave get this money come back and help my family or establish myself and so the players wealth is what is really the step in the Ghana Premier League. But when you talk of quality, when you talk of skill, you talk of the flair. I bet you we haven't. We are not just known as the um, the Brazil of Africa for fun. We have the talent, but how to manage and keep it has been our problem. So let's sensitize our local people that the game is interesting. Let's market it to corporate Ghana to, to make it attractive. Since the millennium era, technology has come to really take over the traditional way of doing things. There's somewhat social media campaign or platform or aggressive social media work. Um, digital marketing has also come in to also take over from traditional marketing. I think that majority of um, the African leagues have not really taken advantage of these. Most of the EPL clubs are doing that. And so they get themselves closer to the community. And the community feels a part of the club. Even if the team is going to relegation, the stadium is filled to capacity because they see the club as part of them. So you had some views from some football fans in Ghana. My name is Betty Yorsen reporting from Accra, Ghana. Well, thanks, Betty. So on this week's show, we're talking about the domestic leagues across Africa and comparing them to the English Premier League and the other top divisions of Europe. What's made the top European league so successful and what needs to be done to improve things in Africa? So those fans in Ghana there highlighting a situation that most of us can relate to. And there are so many talking points there. Let's start with Stuart in the UK. Uh, Stuart now back from holiday. And in 1992, England's top flight was rebranded and relaunched as the English Premier League. Since then, it's become the world's leading league in terms of money and in terms of exciting football with so many star players. So, Stuart, what are the reasons for the success of the English Premier League? When the English Premier League was established in 1992, no one could have envisaged how it would grow into the world's most successful football league. Initially, it looked like no more than a renaming exercise. After all, the same 22 clubs were going to play each other to be champions of England. Did it really matter that it was going to be called the Premier League rather than the Football League Division 1? Now, in 1992, all televised football was on free-to-air television, and there were, frankly, very little live football at all. Pay-per-view television has been one enormous factor in the development of the Premier League, with the current UK television contract worth billions of dollars. And with that television exposure came unheard of commercial opportunities with Manchester United's income in 
2016-17 season, approaching $800 million, including over $300 million commercial income. Currently, Premier League clubs gain income from merchandise, shirt sponsorship, stadium naming rights, etc. And that wealth enables them to attract the best players in the world with salaries over $100,000 per week commonplace. The financial muscle of the English Premier League has been a significant factor in the development of the Premier League brand around the world. And, you know, the very language that I am using is significant, as the Premier League is as much a business as it is a sport, probably more so. That about half the English Premier League clubs are owned by people from overseas has some disadvantages. But one big advantage is that the foreign owners are keen to market their investment in their own country, thereby helping the Premier League to develop as a global community. Steve, I'm not sure I've really answered your question because I'm not sure that anyone quite knows the answer. The Premier League is amazingly successful, but quite how it achieved it is a little bit of a mystery. Well, phenomenal success for sure. Stay with us, Stuart. Uh, Now, Solomon, you're in South Africa, where the South African PSL is the best in the whole of sub-Saharan Africa in terms of sponsorship and sound administration. Can other African countries achieve this, do you think? Most definitely, Steve. Uh, The PSL, that is the Premier Soccer League, uh, the South African League, is the best in the whole of sub-Saharan Africa in terms of sponsorship and sound administration. And I would even even want to go further and say, look, in terms of security, which is another area that major football leagues across Africa are lacking, we don't see and get great security, and we've seen stampedes and, and fans, you know, dying in, in a stadium. Uh, there are a lot of challenges, and one of the major challenges is actually corruption. Uh, corruption in different areas, you know, from refereeing, officiating, to sponsorship, deals. Uh, you know, people get to appoint their cronies, their friends into positions. There's nepotism, uh, there's tribalism uh, all around it. So there's quite a lot of challenges that unless other African countries face this, they were not going to be able to achieve it. I don't want to think that there is no corporate sponsors that are ready to put in money in football, but I feel the corporate sponsors are looking at football as an area where they, they don't showcase good governance. Uh, the administration is very poor. Uh, you know, some people run you know, football administrations when it comes to clubs or the FA as an individual thing without really showing accountability. So we need to be able to deal with this. Then we would get to the level of of the Premier Soccer League in South Africa because the Premier Soccer League in South Africa is very sound. You go to major games, you have a... And it's an experience. You don't just go to stadiums to watch football, uh, to watch the players kick the ball, but you go there for an experience from when you are in the bus going to or on the train going to the stadium to when you get to the stadium to the atmosphere numbers uh, for sitting musicians and different artists coming to the stadium halftime giving you experiences so I feel a lot of African countries could learn from South Africa but a lot need to be to be undone for us to be able to achieve the, the kind of sponsorship and, and sound administration uh, you know and transparency that South Africa has shown 
Well, we can only dream of that at the moment here in Zimbabwe. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, and we're addressing a question from Mandy Wab Francis in Uganda, sent to us on WhatsApp, asking, what can be the way forward to make the African League sparkle like in other countries? Why are we down, and yet we know football? Let's address some of those issues from the fans in Ghana. Uh, The players don't stay around for that long. They move on. The pitches are poor. The matchday experience is poor. You'll be sitting in the scorching sun for hours. Uh, On the positive side, the Dar es Salaam derby in Tanzania last weekend between Simba and Young Africans amassed $177,000 in gate takings with an official attendance figure of over 50,000 fans. So that's positive. And I love going to games here in the Zimbabwean Premier Soccer League. It's a great social occasion. Most of the games are exciting. And as those fans in Ghana said, the talent is there. Indeed, we we go to stadiums and we watch games and we we see some of the best uh, uh, players representing you know their club sides. Uh, but at the same time, you you have to be able to combine the talent and also the experience you know in the stadium. You know, to make it very conducive, especially for families to come to watch games. You can imagine if a husband and a wife and their three kids come to watch games and they're dedicated, they're devoted to one team. Week in, week out, they come. And you have so many different families coming in to watch games because the atmosphere is okay, because there's great security, because there's great, you know, entertainment for family. You know, the atmosphere that the players are given opportunities from their medical side of things to the pitches, to their training, to making sure their bonuses are being paid, everything thing is together then you're going to be able to uh, you know to attract a lot of uh, fans uh, to the football uh, stadium for them to be able to enjoy games sure now about two years ago the confederation of african football introduced club licensing regulations if they were followed all of our clubs would be very well run Uh, club licensing says that top flight sides should have a full-time chief executive a proper leadership structure good governance a youth development team a media officer a marketing officer a full medical team with a physiotherapist and so on it sounds great but uh, solomon most clubs in africa simply don't have the money for this do they but they could start from somewhere, you know, and until we get to a place where clubs are able to run as a business, as a proper business with a CEO, with good governance, then attracting the right sponsorship would be very difficult. So that somehow, you know, for you to make money, you have to invest money. Businesses that are outside of football, how they're being run, how we can learn from them and improvise with the little resources that we have. That way we're going to be able to make sure we have a solid good governance running and we're going to be able to attract sponsorship and then we would have the money to be able to grow it. Well, it's a big challenge. Let's go back to Stuart Weir now. Uh, One of those fans there in Ghana, Stuart, said that many clubs in Africa don't have a link to the community, often because they're owned by a businessman or a company and they don't have that connection. In England, you've got 92 clubs in the Premier League and in the English Football League. That's the top four divisions. And all of those clubs have a good fan base. How do they do that? Now, this is a really interesting question. But football in England has always been, you could almost say, tribal. Everyone supports a club, often the town or city where you grew up. It's often said that football supporters in England would rather that their club were league champions than that England won the World Cup. 
In England too, more than in most countries, we have the tradition of supporters not only watching home games, but travelling to watch their team play away, even at the far side of the country. In your introduction, Steve, you said that clubs in Africa don't have a link to the community, often because they're owned by a businessman or a company. But that is increasingly the case in England. In fact, it's even worse. Manchester City is owned by people from Abu Dhabi, Manchester United by Americans. The owners of Leicester City are from Thailand. And often these owners are very unpopular, but it doesn't stop the fans being committed to their club. You know, for years, Manchester United supporters railed against the Glazer family, but they still came to the matches. I've also heard it said that you don't choose your football club. Like... You're born into a family that either supports Liverpool or Everton, that supports Tottenham or Arsenal, and changing would almost seem like treason. And even though these days the club's need of spectators is much less than it used to be, with something like three quarters of the club's income coming from television and commercial activities, kick-off times often being at inconvenient time for fans in order to suit television, and the players being from all over the world rather than from the town or city. But none of this seems to affect the fans' loyalty in England. Interesting. Well, you can give us your thoughts on this on social media. Can Africa's leagues sparkle like the top leagues of Europe? We've compared football in Africa to football in Europe and heard about the commercial success of the English Premier League, the thoughts of fans in Ghana who've highlighted poor administration and poor infrastructure, among many other factors. This means many fans would rather watch European football on TV than to go to the stadium to watch a domestic match in Africa. At the same time, there's no doubt that there are talented players in Africa. So what do you think needs to be done to make the Continents League sparkle and to attract the fans? You can go onto our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What needs to be done to make Africa's league sparkle? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes too. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen on our new look website, that's planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too, that's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast, plus interviews with various sports stars including Collins Fai of Cameroon and Brazil's Kaká. And you can see pictures of the Planet Sport Football Africa team, plus information about all of us in the About Us section that's on our new look website, planetsport.tv. Well, next we turn to social media, and last week there were plenty of talking points at the Best FIFA Football Awards. Egypt's Mohamed Salah didn't make it into the team of the year, despite being third best overall, but he did win something, the award for the best goal. 
for his impressive strike against Everton last December. But was this the best of the 10 goals on the shortlist? We asked which one you thought was the best and we had a huge response. We'll try and get through as many comments as possible. Uh, on Facebook first, and Aquatex Matthew in Nigeria says Cristiano Ronaldo's bicycle kick against Juventus in the Champions League semi-finals is the best. And Ismail Nazar Said, also in Nigeria, agrees. Uh, Musa Kamara in the Gambia says, to be honest, Ronaldo deserves to have won it, or perhaps Benjamin Pavar. On WhatsApp, Barnabas Ande in Nigeria also says it should be Ronaldo, saying his bicycle kick was the standout goal of the year, leaving Gigi Buffon taken to the cleaners. Uh, Dan Ogega also agrees, but says, I must admit that quite a few goals were spectacular this year. Many were taken by Gareth Bale's remarkable strike, also a bicycle kick, this one in the final of the Champions League. Uh, Mamadou in the Gambia says, my favourite was Bale's incredible overhead kick in that game against Liverpool. And Joseph Adelino in Namibia agrees, along with Bizwek and Jaqua in Malawi and Abdullah Nying in the Gambia. Abdullah says, for the fact that it was in the Champions League final and that it was such an important goal for Real Madrid, I think Bale deserved to win the Puskas Award, not Salah. Bale's goal also gets the nod from Khalifa Sanyang in China and from Alaji T. Cham in the Gambia. My opinion is that Bale's fabulous bicycle kick is the best. Looking at the way that he did it and the height at which the ball was travelling, says Alaji, not every player can touch the ball from there, and no one expected that he would have scored from there. But Mustafa Torai in the Gambia says, I think Pavard's stunner in the World Cup should have been voted as the best. And Stanley in Ghana agrees, saying Salah's goal didn't deserve it because a goal like that, Messi scores more often. But I give the best to Pavard. Indeed, that was a superb because a Pavard from France struck from outside the box and he kept the ball low, which was not an easy thing to do the way that it was travelling. Sam Chiquilira in Malawi says Pavar's stunner was the best and Karamba Dabo in the Gambia agrees. We always welcome voice notes on what's happened from Cameroon. Here's Sonny Armstrong. If the local league in Cameroon has been aired, you would have seen better goals than that of Mohamed Salah. But that notwithstanding, I don't know the criteria or the way in which this decision is being done because the goal scored by Ricardo Quaresma in the World Cup for me was the best goal and Salah scored better goals than even the goal that was given to him as the best goal. Thanks for that, Sonny. Also going for Ricardo Karesma is Ahatab Sambu in the Gambia and Patrick Mwamlima in Malawi. Uh, Patrick says, I even wondered how Salah's goal could be the best among the best. Anyway, the voters are the ones who speak, says Patrick. Well, that's the point, isn't it? The Puskas Award was made by a simple vote from the fans. Another fan saying that the Portuguese striker Charisma's goal should have taken it is Abdullah So in the Gambia, saying, I think many have done well, but Charisma's goal was the best for me. And finally, Fabrice in Cameroon says, my best goal of the year was by Ashley Barnes of Burnley, who scored against West Brom with a bicycle kick like Ronaldo's and Bale's. For me, Bale's goal came second to that one, says Fabrice. Interesting. Well, let's give you a final word on this one, Stuart. I love this kind of discussion when everyone has an opinion and no one is right or wrong. And what a lot of great goals there have been this season. But I think, you know, that 
Abduli Niang in The Gambia has got it right in saying that Gareth Bale's overhead kick was the goal of the season because it came in the Champions League final. It took great skill to execute it, but that was true of many of the other goals. But for me, as for Abdulli, the fact that Bale managed to produce the goal in the most important game of the season, when the pressure was at its most intense, makes it the goal of the season. Yes, uh, I also think the magnitude of the occasion makes a Bale's goal more special. And just before you go, Stuart, to last weekend's game between Chelsea and Liverpool. What a wonderful game of football played in a good spirit and delighting fans all around the world. And what a great game it was. The draw just seemed a fair result. Two spectacular goals. Eden Hazard for most people, was the man of the match, scoring a fine goal at the end of a great passing movement by Chelsea. Is there a better player in world football at the moment than Hazard? If there is, I haven't seen him. Then, with Chelsea seeming to have won the game, Daniel Sturridge, who has struggled to get on the pitch at Liverpool, scored one of the best goals of his career to make it 1-1. From an African point of view, it was great to see Victor Moses coming on as a substitute for Chelsea. He's not finding it easy to get game time at the moment. One thing that did disturb me a bit was when Ross Barkley came on for Chelsea for the last 10 minutes, he was the only English player appearing for Chelsea in the game. Now this weekend, second-place Liverpool entertained league leaders Manchester City Another exciting game to look forward to. Well, bring it on. Liverpool-Manchester City on Sunday. Well, that's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.